Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. I want to um, get into it for, for the sake of time today. Um, if you would go to Jeremiah chapter 2. Earlier on in the week, my voice had totally gone and I couldn't speak for like two days. Um, so thankfully I can speak today, but some of you, that might not be, thankfully. <laughs> um, but anyway, thanks. so um, the voice is feeling okay today. So I just want to read here, Jer- Jeremiah chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. And this is God speaking to his nation or his people, Israel, through the prophet of Jeremiah. And it says here in verse 7, this is God speaking, it says, I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and you made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. And what I want to speak on today is, is seeking and desiring the will of God. You know, you read there the great, the great sin or the great grievance God had towards the people and particularly towards the priests is you were going on and you were doing these things and you never stopped to say, where is the Lord? And again, this isn't speaking of the, the omnipresence of God. Obviously, God being who he is, he is everywhere. It's not... It's not about that, but it was more about God was saying, you're going out doing these things and you're never asking, am I in it? Or Jesus, are you in this? Or is this actually what you want us to do? You were just going off on your own accord and the priests were just green lighting everything that they were doing and just following it. And they never stopped to say, God, are you in this? Or God, have you ordained this? Or, Or Jesus, is this what you desire for us? And a lot of the times this can, this can be for us as well and for me in, in my life certainly that there have been many times where we can go on and just do things and we never stop to, to pray or to ask or to seek God and be like, God, is this actually what you desire or am I just kind of coming up with my own ideas or making my own way? And, and, we, don't, and we sometimes we just don't stop and even think or even pray and and say, God, did you, did you originate this? Is, this? is this beginning with you, or is this beginning with me? And is this beginning with something that I want to do, or what other people want me to do, or other people have started, or God, is this actually something that's coming from you? And is it, is it our dreams, is it our desires, or is this, is this the will of God? And a lot of the times, to, to even know the will of God, it has to start with us wanting to know the will of God. And again, here with the priests, it wasn't even that they wanted to know the will of God. They were just going out doing their own things. And this was the great grievance and the great sin that God, that God saw in this. And a lot of the times it can be with, with presumption. A lot of times where we will pre-assume the will of God without going to God or knowing God. And, and we might think, well, that's not really a big deal. But it is a big deal. In Psalm 19, David Speaking calls presumption, he calls it the great sin of presumption. In other words, to assume what God wants and desires without ever going to God is of great pride. It's, of a great, it's, it's essentially saying, I can decide how God sees fit. I can decide what God wants. And essentially, we end up making ourselves God in the situation. 
we end up going around in our lives and we say that we can do the works of God without God. We can go on and do our lives. We can walk in the victorious Christian life without Jesus himself. We don't need to ask of him. We don't need to go around these things. And sometimes just the fact that we neglect prayer or we neglect asking him before we even say yes to something, just it shows that we're not even considering that, God, what do you want in this? And it just comes straight from us and it can be such a trap. It can lead us so far astray. And we end up trying to lead our own lives and we go away from Jesus. And and with the will of God, you know, there are things in the, in the Christian life that are black and white. There are things that are, you know, to, to live by faith, to live with justice and mercy, to forgive one another, to love others before yourself, to serve one another, to serve the Lord. These are things that are black and white. It's not a, it's not a negotiable with Lord, the Lord, you know, to, to not walk, walk in sin, to, to reject these things. These are things that it's not, it's not a grey area of God, but there are also unique areas in our lives. There are also certain seasons or certain scenarios that we are faced where it's maybe not necessarily super clear what the, exactly what decision you would make, or maybe there are so many options presented before you where it then becomes a, a sake of we actually have to seek God and know what he wants for us. And that, and that is God's desire for us. He's not necessarily just given us the Bible for this, us to then read it and then go along and do our lives. But he also wants to draw us in to have fellowship with him and have relationship with him and to walk in step with him in, in every area of our lives. It's not just a, a, to read some instructions and then you know how to do the job, but it is, a, it is a daily walking with the Lord and a daily understanding of, God, what do you want? And, and understanding what he wants and walking with him that he desires. And, and this is really this kind of presumptuous attitude or this kind of what the priests were doing where they were just going on and never even thought to think about or to ask God, do you, are you in this? This is at the antithesis of the life of Jesus. You read, I'll read it for you, but in John 8, verse 42, and, and Jesus speaks about this actually a few times, especially in the Gospel of John. But Jesus says here, it said, it said Jesus speaking in John 8, 42, he said, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Again, Jesus speaking of the fact that this isn't my initiative. This isn't, this isn't Jesus, this isn't me incorporated. This isn't, this isn't my, my strategy or my desires or, or what, it's not being birthed by me, but I'm coming as the God has sent me. The priests there and the people, it was their own initiative. The Tower of Babel, when they built it, it was of their own initiative. It's come, let us build something. But Jesus comes and says, I'm not here, to, I'm not, I'm not the, the architect here, it's God that has sent me. And there is a great difference. And, and again, it's not to be of presumption, but it's to go on his initiative and not our own. And that comes from seeking and desiring and praying and reading the scripture and asking God, God, what, you, what do you want? And God wants this from us. God wants us to know his plans, but he wants us to, to know him as well. And this comes from us being aware of him and seeking him and wanting to know. That's why Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done in Gethsemane. It wasn't a, it wasn't a what, what can I strategize? What can I plan? What can I maneuver? What can I facilitate? But it's God, what do you want? And what are you planning? What are your eternal plans? What are your desires? 
It goes on in Jeremiah chapter 2, and I'll, I'll read it here, but it's in verse 12 and 13, and, and God is going on here, and he says, Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid, and be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn, or they've built themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You know, this, this way of presumption, it, it's two things, really. One, you are forsaking the way of God, who is the, the living water. As, as Paul talks about in the, in the scriptures, when, when the children of Israel came out and they were in the wilderness and Moses split the rock and the water came out and when they were, when they were starving and they were without water and they were, and they were about to die in the desert, God refreshed them with water. Paul says that water was Christ and Christ was following them. And that is the Christ today, the one that is of living water, the one that said, he who believes in me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. There is this living water, and God's saying, you've done two things. First, you have rejected me. First, you have turned away from me where I have living water. And not only that, now you're trying to build something. Now you're trying to build your own, your own way of doing things. Now you're trying to build your own life. Now you're trying to de decide your own destiny and, and build your own future and plan your own career and build your own mechanisms and your own way of doing life. And these ways, he says, it holds no water. It holds no water. It, it, it's, it's, it's empty. It's, it's running out. It's, it, it's leaking. There is no, there's nothing there. But he says, where I, where I am, where I am the fountain of living water. And this is the wonderful promise that we have, that Jesus is the fountain of living water for us, that every single day, in everything we face, there is a living water through the living God, Jesus Christ where we're not trying to run our own lives. And you know, when we try and run our own lives, there are, there are things that happen, and by the grace and the mercy of God, the best thing that can happen to us is that it fails, and it fails quickly. The worst thing that can happen is that we run our own lives, we make our own plans, and it looks like it's succeeding. Or other people are, are acclaiming it and saying, what great work you are doing, and you're building up your own empire. And you go years and years, and you're deceived, and you're being deceived, and, and it could be that you come to the end of your life, and... And you've built something that God never purposed for you. Or you've wasted your life, you've wasted your years doing something that God never ordained. And even though it's painful, the best thing God can do in his mercy is it, it is rejected and it stopped quickly. And it's the great mercy. I can't tell you the number of times where God has shut down things that I've tried to originate. But it is by the mercy of God that he shut it down. If he let me go years and years and years, I'd be, I'd be deceived and I'd be going down a totally different path. But it's by the grace and the mercy of God that it's shut down. It's, it's how God loves us. He, he loves us enough to say no. You know, as parents here, or when you have kids, you love them enough to say no. There are parents here that will just say yes to everything. That's not, that's not loving your kid. That's just letting the kid do what they want. It's, and that won't, that won't help them. But he loves us enough to say no. And when we ask for that correction, when we ask for that that mercy of God, where actually, God, I pray that you would correct me. I pray that, teach me, you know, where am I going wrong? Teach me what I can do. But when you have that heart, now, now you can have the life of God, the living water that it said here in verse 13. Rather than us trying to hold on to the, the, the stale water that we've got in our life, us trying to piece it together and keep, keep what little we have left, but we can actually go to the living water. And that's one of the beauties of, of repentance. It actually leads us to great life. 
It's not this heavy and, I mean, it is heavy in the moment, but it's not this dark and depressing thing, but it's actually a reconnecting to the life of God and turning ourselves away from ourselves or the ways of the world and actually reconnecting to this, this living water in the fountain of God that it speaks about here in Jeremiah 2. And it is a wonderful promise. And so often it's so good for us to ask, where is the Lord? Where is the Lord in what I'm doing? Where is the Lord in my thoughts? Where is the Lord in my motives? Where is the Lord in, in these endeavors or these opportunities placed before me? Sometimes the trap is that we'll use other things to indicate if it's God. Or we'll, we won't even consider God in things. So, for example, it might be promotion. You know, we'll think, obviously, God wants us blessed. God wants us to have great influence. Of course he does. God wants... God wants Christian people in leadership far more than non-Christian people. God wants people that know the ways of God far more. But it doesn't mean every single promotion is, is, is God-ordained. A lot of times we'll just say yes to things and we won't even consider, God, is this actually of you? I know I had, I had a few months ago I had, I had the offer of, of a promotion, something I actually wanted to do a year before it. But God told me no, so it was, it was no. It's not... It's not about, sometimes we won't even stop to ask, God, is it of you? We'll just assume, well, of course it is. Of course God wants that. But sometimes God actually has a better way for us. Is that not the life of Jesus? Is that not when, when he fed the 5,000 and it said when he came down from the mountain that they were go- the people were going to go and make him king and he fled from them because he knew what was in man? Jesus could have been, if anything, we can sometimes know the big picture of God. If anything, Jesus was there to be the king of Israel to be the king of the Jews. He was there to actually be the king, and he is the king today. He was there to be crowned. That was the ultimate call of God. If anything, he could have confused that and said, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm being made king. That's that's exactly the way I'm going to go down. So this obviously has to be of God. But he said he knew knew it was in man. He fled that. He rejected it. He wanted God's way. He didn't want his own way. He He didn't want to assume it without knowing. That's why Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own initiative. This isn't, this isn't about what I can devise or what I can plan or what I can set up. Again, sometimes it comes even with relocation. Sometimes we'll move places. You know, we'll, we'll find the house we want, maybe find the schools we want. We'll make sure everything's right, everything's set up. We won't even think about what church we'll go to. We'll just say, oh, we'll figure that down the line. And we'll, effectively, we're putting our fellowship with God, fellowship with other Christians fellowship maybe even for our kids' sake, for their walk with God, we'll jeopardize all of that. And we'll go, well, maybe we'll figure, I'm sure we'll find something. And it ends up maybe years down the line, it's, you still haven't figured something out, or you're falling out of the church. It's like all these other things have become important. But you haven't stopped to ask God, actually, where do you want me to go? What church do you want me to join? What, where, what have you got for me? Or we just find what's the nicest house and nice area for the best price. It's so often these things where we think, well, maybe it's not a big deal. God, God cares about us. It's a, it, all these things are a big deal to God. And God wants to be involved in every part of our life. And, and God's plans and what God can do for us is way better than what we could devise. Even if, it, even if it takes you not accepting something straight away. Even if it takes you having to delay something. And people might get upset that you have to delay it for a minute. But if it's to know what the God of the universe has to say on the matter, it's far more important than you making a decision, being 15 years down the line and being, like, I, and being like, I don't know if this was of God. What an awful way would that to be if at the end of our lives we went, well, I'm not quite sure. Wouldn't we want to have a certainty? As Peter said, make your election sure. Wouldn't we want to be absolutely certain? I'm not saying when you live by faith there are things that aren't certain, but would we not want to be certain that 
actually this is the direction God is calling us in as a family or as a, as a, as a couple or even on our own. I know this is where I've got to go. Again, sometimes we will, again, mistake these other indicators in our life and we'll make that the barometer of whether it's of the Lord. We'll say, you know, maybe, maybe how easy something is indicates whether God's anointing or God's hand is upon it. If, something, if we're knocking on these doors and something opens and it seems relatively easy, well, then that must be God. But then again, in, in Scripture, it doesn't necessarily have to be of God. You look at the life of John the Baptist, a man who Jesus said was, the, greatest, was the, the best man ever born of a woman. So in terms of casting that net, that's any person that's ever lived. Everyone. He said, up until me, that's the greatest person. John the Baptist, the ministry of John the Baptist, he spends years and years and decades preparing for a six-month ministry, he gets thrown in prison, and then gets executed. And Jesus said, this is the greatest man that's ever lived. Up until this point. Again, was that easy? Was the life of John the Baptist easy? Was that then that it was the will of God? It was God-ordained, and it had great power. And to this day, we speak of this man that has is, that is prepared the way of the Lord. Again, was, was Gethsemane a failure? When Jesus was praying, he said he was dripping tears of blood in prayer. Was that a failure because it was not easy? Again, it does, there are definitely times, and there are definitely times where God's anointing and his hands upon something, and it is easy. But that in and of itself is not the indication of if it's the will of God. As many people will know here, there are things you've gone through that it's hard, but you know God is calling you to walk through that. And God hasn't told you to walk away from it. And that doesn't mean it's, it's not God's will. Again, sometimes we'll say the scale or the numbers of the things that we're doing. Maybe if, if we've got enough people being influenced by it or enough people are approving it or we're, we're getting increased size, then that must be the will of God. But again, if that's the will of God, then, then I suppose the greatest miracle Jesus ever did was feeding the 5,000 and, and the worst thing he did was Calvary because everyone rejected him there. Again, we'll use these things and we'll, we'll, instead of going to God and asking God, what do you desire? What is your will? We'll use these other things and say, well, that must mean it's God's will because X, Y, and Z line up here. And we'll forget to ask God. And again, if numbers were the case, well, then the most God-filled churches and the most holy churches will be the biggest ones. But it's not necessarily about size. Now, does God want us to have influence? Does God want us to have impact? Of course. With the missions that are going on, we want many lives touched. We want, God wants many saved. Of course he does. But that in and of itself, numbers in and of itself, is not an indicator of if it's the will of God. God is the indicator of if it's the will of God. And us knowing his voices. Again, sometimes it will be success in the world. Maybe there will be, you know, sometimes with churches, they'll get you know, a celebrity that's recently come to God or, or a very successful businessman or something. Well, well, because they've been successful, then they must be walking in the will of God. Again, that's not necessarily the indicator. It doesn't mean they can't walk in the will of God, for sure, but, but that doesn't, that's not necessarily the, the blueprint to walking God's will. That's not, that's not God's measure for success. If it was, then, then Paul in the Bible, he says, he says, I'm a fool for Christ. He doesn't say I'm a great king. He doesn't say I'm a, I'm a rich man. I have a, I have a great empire for Christ. I'm a great emperor for Christ. He says, I'm a fool for Christ. But was he in the will of God? Did he bring about the, the Christian faith? Did he bring the gospel to, to not even just nations, but to, to continents? Did he set about a faith that thousands of years later, he unraveled the great mystery of the gospel? Again, there are, these, there are these, sometimes these metrics that we use that, 
apart from God can be so deceiving and can put us in such a trap and truly the indicator of if it's the will of God is what does God say on the matter? Have we prayed? Have we sought God? Have we gone through the scriptures? You know, this is something, and I'm not saying this to, again, I'm not trying to say this to put people down. This is not that, but this kind of, this teaching by the Lord, this correction is, is what we need. It, it brings us to this living water. It brings us to life. I can tell you that many times I've gone the wrong way. I'm not, again, I'm not without fault. I've made many mistakes. But it's about learning from them. It's about you know, repentance and, and changing and being conformed into the image of Christ. It's not about you know, stubbornly going our own way and, and, and rejecting the ways of the Lord. It's about knowing what he has to say on the matter. And again, it's just asking that question, where are you, Lord? Where are you in this? What are you, what are you saying on the matter? And that, you know, I'm not here to speak about individual situations in your life. I'm not here to you know, speak super specific. But you know, God, may God minister to your hearts. God knows what's going on. God knows what you're facing far more than I do. It's not necessarily about what, what I think, but what does God think? What, do you, what is your, your communing with God? And may... In this time and in this week, may God minister to you. and May God show you what he desires for your life. Or may God, maybe you've got decisions that you're facing. May, may you ask God and may God speak to you. Or maybe you've made decisions recently and you're starting to regret it. Or maybe pray that God would bring repentance and, and provide a way where you're able to get out of that. Like, it's about having that relationship with God, not necessarily my opinion on the matter. And there are two, there are two really effective, really effective, century-old ways to knowing the will of God, and that is truly through prayer and through the Scriptures. Through the Word of God and through prayer is, is we're able to know. In, in the Scriptures especially, in Psalm 1, is a wonderful psalm and a wonderful promise. I'm just going to read it quickly now. And It says here, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the, the word of the Lord, and in his word he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Again, it's the wonderful promise of, of not only just reading the word, but meditating on the word. And now God is able to plant you. God is able to establish you. God is able to show you his will and his ways and work in and through what you're doing, that it may prosper. Again, it's the wonderful promise of, not, of reading the scriptures. Again, it's what David would say. David said in the Psalms later, he said, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That word sin literally means to miss the mark. In other words, he's saying, you know, your word, not only my reading, I've hidden it in me that I may not miss this. I may not miss your will for your life. I may not miss the Christian life. I may not miss and get it wrong and go, go the wrong way, but I've, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may know your will and I won't fall astray. Again, he says in the Psalms, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That it illuminates the way that we we're meant to go. Every step of that way, it's not just the, the end destination, but it's every single step along the path is what God, God wants to illuminate to us through the word. Now, there's the wonderful promise in, in Hebrews 4. It says that the word of God, it is living and active, sharp and a two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit. That the word of God goes deep into us, works with the inner 
beings of us, not even just our outward actions, but the motives and the desire. It's what David said in Psalm 51. It says, you desire truth, Lord, in the inward part. In the inner part of me, he desires truth. That's a, that's a deep, deep desire of the Lord for, for me and for us. But that's what the word of God does. It's not just like a, an outward reading, but it is an inward working. It is a living inward working that when we allow it to with humility and meekness, the word of God is able to go deep, deep into us and do, do major surgery on us and do, and do wonderful works to reveal in us and through us his will and his perfect plans for us. And the second, the second key is prayer. You know, this is, these, these are things that have gone on for thousands of years that people have doing praying and reading the scriptures. And prayer with the word is so important because otherwise we will know the word of God, but we won't know the God of the word. You know, Paul said in, in Acts 13, 27, and it's a really sobering verse, but he was saying to the Pharisees, he said, every day you go up and you'd read the scriptures and you put Jesus to the cross. Every day you go up and you'd read from, from, hey, book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, speaking of Jesus and the crucifixion, yet you still went out and did it. You read the scriptures, you read the word of God, but you didn't know the God of the word. And it's so important that it's not just reading the word, but it's prayer as well. It's praying, it's knowing God. It's that time where it's you and God, and God, you are communing with God, and not only that, God is speaking to you, speaking in your heart, in your mind, they're giving room for him to speak. It is a, it is a two-way communication. That is prayer simply is just communicating with God and fixing your thoughts and, and attention on him. You speaking to God and letting God speak to you. And in that, through reading the scriptures, through prayer, God is able to work in you. God is able to reveal his will for you. God is able not only to reveal your will, but then work in you and through you to do his will. This is the wonderful thing, but it comes through prayer and the word. It doesn't necessarily come through another person, although they can be great signposts. They can help direct you on that way. It doesn't come through you know, knocking on enough doors and seeing what opens. That's not what God desires. Nowhere in the, in the history of the world or through the, the great men and women of faith that you just keep trying different ways until something works, until something sticks. It's God, God has a divine way, and it says in the scriptures that he foreknew us. And he foreknew our ways. He knew us before we were even us. The, there, is a, there is a divine way that God has planned. He doesn't need you to try a million ways. He just needs you to come to him and to know what he has got. And to pray and to read his word and understand. And then ask him to, to strengthen you and, and equip you to walk out in these things. That is the desire of the Lord. The worst thing that could happen is, is we go our own ways. We find something that works and we deceive ourselves into thinking this is the will of God, and we go years down doing something that, is, that will not stand the test of time, that when we come to eternity, God, it, it has no fruit to it. God, it, doesn't, it wasn't bearing witness. It didn't do anything that God had desired for us. And this is the key, even just asking this question, like, the, like God wanted the priest to ask, God, where are you? God, where are you in this? God, where are you in, in, in these situations? I've got these decisions. I've got loads of people coming at me. I've got all these things going on, but God, what do you ordain? What have you desired for me before I was even born? What have you got prepared for me? And in asking that, then God is able to, to speak to us and letting God answer us and letting God show us the way. Again, I just want to read 
one quick verse here in Jeremiah 10, verse 21. You, don't have, you can turn there if you want. Well, I, I can read it for you. And it says here, he says that God, again, speaking to the people, it says, For my, ser- my shepherds have become dull-hearted, and they have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they will not prosper. You know, without seeking the Lord, it is our hearts become dull. They become, they become hard. They become, it just becomes so insensitive to what God is doing or what God is, how God is ministering. I remember a time where just over, just over even, man, even like a year and a half ago, there were loads of things going on in my life. And I was just so, so many situations. And I was so just bogged down and clouded by this that someone, someone spoke to me and they're like, have you prayed? And I was like, do you know what? I've done everything except that. I had to repent. I was like, I've done all these things and I've become so dull. And that dull-hearted means sometimes we can't even discern what's going on. We just, we just, we're just in things and we're just going through things and it's just, we're just, we're just in the moment. But sometimes we can't even understand what maybe God is doing or what God is speaking to us or what is even going on around us. Sometimes there are these great spiritual attacks that we're under and we just, we can't even discern it for what it is. We're just, we're just stuck in it and and we get so dull-hearted. It said there, it says, you haven't even sought me. You've become dull. You've become dull. You don't hear my voice anymore. You don't understand what's going on around you. You don't understand. You can't see. You can't perceive. You can't feel. You've just become just dull. And that is the great trap that we just, we just become just, just empty. We become almost dead to, to what God is saying or what God is doing or what's going on around us. And that fellowship with the Lord is what keeps us keeps us alive, keeps us sensitive. We'll be in situations and it'll be super simple things, but you'll know, you'll discern when God is drawing you to something or drawing you away from something. You'll discern, you'll know what it is when God is pleased and when he's not pleased, whether it's, and it's just these little things, but it comes from just having that, being that sharp, sharp-hearted, being that sensitive heart. You know, and that's what we need, you know, with, with metal. Metal is, a, is, a, is a, a cold, and usually a cold, a hard object, but only under fire is it able to be moulded and to be malleable and to be altered. But as soon as it comes away from that fire, it goes hard, it becomes back to its shape, it's immalleable, you can't change anything about it, but only when it's under that fire can it be amended and, and, and it can actually react and it can actually adapt and it can do these things. And, and that is the same for us. Without fellowship with the Lord, without that closeness with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit, without that, without that abiding in the Scriptures and abiding in prayer and God abiding in us, that we become cold and we, 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 can't, be, we can't be altered, we can't be malleable anymore. We've just become set in our ways and we've become set in our ideas and we just become unhearing and unfeeling. But God desires us to be sensitive and aware of what he's saying. He wants a, a, a relationship with us and he has a perfect plan for us and he wants us to walk in step with him. He doesn't want us to plan our own lives and devise our own ideas. And this is the, the great thing that comes from just praying, God, where are you? Where are you in this? Where is the Lord as God wanted the priest to pray? And in doing that, God is able to speak to us and God is able to minister to us and our hearts are able not to be hardened and cold and dull, but now they're sharp and sensitive and, and 
and aware of the Lord and aware of what he's doing. And now we know with certainty what God has ordained. And we're not just seeing what works or what sticks. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk